Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Here's Durant moving on Tucker. He turns, he shoots. Yes! Talking Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association, this is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of Pick and Pod. I'm Chris Percyinen here with Bridge Gotham, William Jing. We are here today to talk some NBA, of course. We're on spring break as Fordham students, so we are each reporting from our own houses. But, uh, yeah, you know, the, the vibe of the studio, the, the environment, the calm yet agitated and we're all yelling at each other about basketball. The, the studio environment still stands, I feel like, even over Zoom. Uh, I hope you guys' breaks are, are going well, too. Uh, we got March Madness going on. I know Bridge, big college basketball guy. So this is oh yeah, this is a big stretch for you here. Yeah, I love myself some March Madness. I know we're all on break right now. It doesn't look like we uh, took our talents to South Beach necessarily, but we're hanging out at home, uh, hunkering down for the next few days before we go back to school. I was supposed to to take my talents to London, but um, <laughs> so I, I got caught tampering by my parents and. <laughs> or rather uh, a certain airline company wasn't a fan of my wallet so it didn't it didn't happen um well how's your how's your break going pretty good uh my whole body's sore right now don't you gotta explain that last couple of days and you know I, it's funny you mentioned south beach because i was supposed to take my talents to south beach and then other commitments got in the way so we're not there now but it's all good it's all good. Listen, man, college basketball, March Madness, we'll be all right. Speaking of March Madness, we were just talking before we hit record here about Keegan Murray of Iowa, just uh, one of the great players in this tournament uh, and one of the many players who a lot of people are tuning in to watch for, for various reasons. I know for a fact that there's a lot of people getting paid by NBA teams to watch these games with the purpose of relaying information on these players up to these presidents and general managers. I mean, we are really about to be in the midst of the the heat of scouting season, uh, which is the last stretch of of live action. Um, You know, the, you would be astounded just from a financial, like a business standpoint, the amount of expenses that teams rack up from the amount of scouts they have to send to these different games. Like it's real life crazy. Like how much money is spent by all 30 teams. Like it, It's fascinating to me that the, this industry. Um, yeah. But of course we're talking NBA draft uh, that of course, you know, makes me think of the off season uh, makes me think of the drama of the NBA, you know, every NBA fans guilty pleasure, their favorite part of following the league is, being up at 2 a.m. the night that a, an earthquake canceled RJ and Zion's first game against each other to see Kawhi and Paul George go to the Clippers together. Like those moments that you'll just never forget the Woj and Shams bombs. Uh, we got to talk off season, I think. So I know we have a season going on right now. Celtics, you know, beat the Warriors last night by a good margin. Knicks beat the Blazers by a good margin. 
the Eastern Conference playoff hunt certainly heating up when you look at the play-in race as well. Well, the Knicks, I don't think they're going to get there this year. Um, but you have to look, if you're the president, if you're Leon Rose, about what you can do to start getting the team in a position to be contending, not just for the play-in, but for the playoffs. R.J. Barrett really seeming to blossom in his third year as a young star. And, well, it's time to get serious and, and really, like, get him some some horses to run with. Um, if you're going to keep Coach Tibbs, you know, like, I, I, the, the saying with Coach Tibbs is, like, if you if you give him the firepower, like, he'll get the engine running, but you can't, you can't leave him empty-handed. So what do you guys think in regards to the Knicks with the NBA draft, free agency, even, you know, I think a lot of sign-in trades are going to go down this summer. Um, teams finding out that like trading away a player for someone who's not going to stay and play for you, like may not be worth it anymore because everyone is just getting traded. You know, players are asking out regardless of how good they are. And we had like, I forget who it was. Like, I think like CJ Ellaby requested to trade this year and someone was like, all right, like, when does this stop? When, when, when do guys stop getting to demand out? You know, like uh, what would you guys do? We'll start with bridge. Um, if you're Leon Rose, man, what, what's your approach looking like? to free agency, you, you know, whether you have specific targets in mind or not, like the off season in general, what, what are you doing to this next team? Well, I mean, to your point, uh, you know, it's a tough year when it's March and we're already looking toward the off season, especially for the Knicks after the year they had last year. And we're, I think the Knicks are definitely at a crossroads uh, from the perspective of Leon Rose, but also looking at coach Tibbs because of how great the team was last year and how, They've regressed this year. Well, there have been some great improvements, most notably R.J. Barrett. He has started to look like the number three overall pick that they that they saw in the draft. So you have to think R.J. is starting to look more and more like the face of the team, and Julius Randle is starting to look more and more like a distraction. And I mean that seriously, his behavior off the court and even the way that he's conducted himself on the bench just – he looks like he almost doesn't want to be there, and the way that he's interacted with the fans and just – it's just sort of um, – it's left sort of a sour taste in, I think, a lot of Knicks fans' mouths. I think I think we can agree on that. And, you know, he has a large contract. I don't know the exact numbers. I know it's – I think it's four years, $72 million. I don't know if that's exactly right. Randall um, or 48? Yes. 48 is 472, but with an opt-out in the fourth year. Randall, what is Randall, 96? 107. Yeah, it's like he's like either he's he's on track to be either like it's somewhere between the thirty fifth okay. and fortieth highest paid guy in the league. I mean, right. it's Nick That's Batum. It's a lot of money, money there. It's Nick Batum money from a couple of years ago. It is, but at the same time, it's it's kind of hard to move New a contract TV like deal. this. Who wants New to take on deals about to kick in? Like you're gonna see guys like well, the captain's like, like no, you're right. New TV deal. When does that hit? Like a year from now. Yeah, this yeah. The, Randall's extension was done with that in mind. They know yeah. that once that hits, he's going to take up like less of the percentage of the cap than like an actual all star would have in like 2014. Like it's just, yeah, yeah. it's just like he's, it's not, it's in the grand scheme of things, it's actually not that much, but you're right. It's, it's substantial. Yeah. It's, it's there. Yeah. So, and then I'll, I'll direct the conversation here. So, what do we have? Maybe 10 to 12 games left for most teams, right? And if you're the Knicks, you're what? You're the 12 seed in the East right now, if I'm not mistaken. And nope. it's sort of the draft is coming up. You know, I never 
think tanking is a good thing, but do you sort of, do you turn it off the rest of the season, try and get a better pick or do you play hard and finish with a better morale to the year and say, all right, maybe we do have something going for ourselves. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm sort of with you on Julius Randle, honestly, I think that, you know, for somebody that takes up such a huge part of the Knicks cap space, he's got to be playing better. And I don't really know what they do with him if they try to move him or whatever, but I think you kind of have to look at, um, you know, obviously the Knicks, I think they were the four seed last year. They got dropped uh, by the Hawks first round, but I think that what happened last year is obviously not carrying over to this year. And so you kind of have to reevaluate because it's not like they have, you know, Oh, a, a team like the Lakers that has, you know, stars, but they're just having a bad season. They just don't have what, uh, the personnel needed to, to make another run like that. So I think they need to kind of reevaluate how things are going and take a look at how they can basically rebuild again as, as crazy as we're saying it. And because the Knicks were, you know, basically what rebuilding for the past, I don't know, decade or so after like 2012 and mellow left and they've been rebuilding since. And I think they just need to look at that again because, you know, they had, you know, a solid run last year, but if that's not continuing, they need to, um, just look at how they can build around, like Chris said, RJ Barrett and younger pieces to see if they can build something from the ground up so that, you know, when the teams that are at the top now, when those teams start to, you know, get older and stuff, the Knicks start to have a young core. And so I think they should, you know, focus on the draft. And I wouldn't necessarily tank because I don't think that's, I just feel like, it's not the right way to play basketball and it's, it's not what any of the players or the coaches are there for, but I think they just need to overall focus on getting younger guys, whether it's the draft free agency trades, trade for picks, do whatever you can and hopefully just build a young core that blossoms into, you know, some stars and a solid bench for, you know, the next few years. I think it's tough um, to, from like a fan perspective in general like just not being in the building with these guys every single day like knowing how the players feel right like maybe all the players are just like sick of tips and we don't know it right and they're just like all just kind of playing like jerks because they don't care to do anything else they think he'll be gone and they're they're waiting to start fresh themselves like you guys are saying like who knows right but i i do think that like when you have two point guards in Rose and Walker who everyone knows are going to get hurt at some point and they both get hurt. Kemba stinks in the first place, but he still keeps getting hurt. And then like now your team doesn't have any point guard, right? And Emmanuel quickly, well, he can't be the point guard because you weren't giving him reps before to let him work through his lumps. He didn't work through those lumps until like February and everyone was saying he was, you know, not showing any promise. No, he was just finally figuring out the balance between scoring and playmaking all these little developmental quirks that would have been accelerated. And here's the point I'm really trying to get to. If this team had a point guard on the roster that could play every game, forget start. This team doesn't have a point guard on the roster that can play every game. I think it's really hard to make an evaluation on a guy like Julius Randle, who is being cast in a role, which I think everyone and their mother knows he's not good enough for. Uh, But he has a lot of turnovers. He has, moments where he doesn't read the floor fast enough well that's because he's being asked to be a number one option and he's not 
that kind of player. I don't think that's a sign that he's a bad player. I think there's a world in between where Julius Randle is really good at basketball. He's six foot nine, 255. He can pass, shoot, and dribble better than the average player at his position. He's not the best team defender. He's a really good on-ball defender when locked in. Take that as you will. Um, and above all else, like, he's a tough shot maker, right? And at the power forward position, like, that's really valuable. We see that specific position before in modern basketball swing teams from pretender to contender status easily going out and getting someone like Aaron Gordon or, you know, a forward that can facilitate. Well, Randall's above guys like that. He's an actual all-star caliber player. I don't think he's an all-NBA caliber player. I think he had a ridiculous shooting heater that lasted for a season that allowed him to make all NBA be one of the top 15 guys. I don't think he's a top 15 guy. I think he's getting paid like a top 35, 40 guy. I think that's what he has to be. And I don't know if you can say that someone who's putting up 26, eight rebounds and seven assists a game since the new year, since Kemba Walker hasn't been playing, isn't doing their job of being one of the top 40 guys in the league. I think regardless of who the target is, like personally, I'm, more of a fan of someone like Colin Sexton who can get under the rim and create rim pressure, seeing, oh, Cleveland traded for Levert. They know they're going to have to pay Garland and, and uh, get ready to maybe acquire more wing help than just a Coro. Um, maybe you can prize Sexton free. I know the Knicks front office is interested in Jalen Brunson. They, ha- uh, they have ties with him since forever. Um, and Dallas just traded for Spencer Dinwiddie as pretty much insurance in case Brunson leaves, right? So I, I get that I'm not the biggest fan of Brunson, but I also get that he would fill a need for the team. Like someone like him, if you get Brunson on the team, now I know he's not a great defender, go ahead and start Quentin Grimes next to him. And Quentin Grimes can guard the point of attack. You throw RJ Barrett at the three, there's your wing defender. So now you've got Brunson, Grimes, and RJ with Julius and, you know, maybe Mitchell Robinson. Um, Maybe you take one of your first round picks, throw a protection on it, go get Daniel Gafford from Washington. If they send Beal out and they're tearing it down, just somewhat, somewhat serviceable at center. No, no star. Uh, And then off the bench, you can do Rose and Fournier or Rose and Burks trade whoever of Fournier and Burks you don't use. Go ahead, play Reddish, Toppin, and Jericho Sims. Um, You take Burks and Noel, the Dallas 23 first round pick, sign and trade for Jalen Brunson. They can sell it to Luca as they got something back for him at least. Uh, their, their first round pick back from the Kristaps deal. Two veterans, their only center on the roster, and uh, Alec Burks, who you know can help with creation a bit. You take Fournier, you try to find a home for him. You have a surplus amount of second round picks. You can attach up to three and still not even notice that they're gone. I think the Knicks have something like 14 or 16 second round picks over the next four drafts. Like it's literally hilarious how many they've accrued. Um, And you could take like three or four of them, attach it to Evan, dump him. You can roll out a lineup of say Brunson, Grimes, Barrett, Randall, Robinson, Rose, Fournier, Reddish, Toppin, Sims. And I think that contains a real balance of both youth movement. You didn't add a player in the off season that's older than Julius Randall and veteran steady hands to keep the team, you know, rolling. You have Rose and Fournier coming off the bench, doing the ball handling for Reddish, Toppin and Sims to steady hands. You have Randall going to be 27, 28 Barrett already a leader on the floor. He's going to be in his fourth year. And uh, you'd have Brunson, who's going to be like 25, I think, next season in the starting lineup as well. 
if that team, you know, only makes the first round or second round, that's fine because you didn't empty the clip to get them. But now you have Jalen Brunson and Cam Reddish and, you know, Deuce McBride and those guys plus a bunch of first round picks. Well, there's your package for a Shea Gilgis Alexander or Donovan Mitchell once that time comes. The Knicks have all of their own first round picks and that Dallas pick. If they use it for Brunson, then they just have all of their own. The point stands that I think there's a lot of paths for this team to take. I just explored one of them relatively in depth and it seemed kind of reasonable, right? Like it seemed like, Hey, that seems like a non crazy way for the Knicks to get a player who can raise the floor of the guys they care about on the roster right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, they need a point guard. That's the guy who fits that description. So whether it's a Sexton, a Brunson, whether it's a veteran, you know, someone CAA connected, like, Maybe the Jazz want to get rid of Mike Conley and we they buy they they trade him and we eat that salary somehow. Like whatever it is, uh, I think there's a lot of paths for the Knicks to improve and for them to have a more fair situation to even make decisions based off of. You know, it's like if you hire a plumber and you pay him a plumber rate, and you're like, you are here to do plumber stuff. And then your light goes out and you're like, yo, I'll throw you 50 bucks if you fix that too. And now the house is burning down because the plumber tried touching the lights. It's like, how mad can you realistically be? Like you should have called an electrician. Like, why are you having Julius Randle initiate offense every play and then getting mad at the results? You're starting Alec Burks at point guard on purpose in the year of our Lord 2022. And you're mad at the results. Like at a certain point, you have to look at the process. So I think that I think that they can just get a point guard and they can run it back with the young core of this team, shed a couple vets, and still be fine. I don't know how that uh, like reaches you guys or what your take on that is, but before we move on, I definitely want to hear like your response. Yeah, I, mean, um, I definitely feel. Yeah, go um, ahead. No, you're good. Okay. I mean, I definitely agree with um, you saying that Julius Randle is a solid piece and trying to run the offense through him and make him initiate everything is not the best choice. But at the same time, the goal of every NBA team is to win a championship. I think we can all agree on that. And when Julius Randle is taking up, you know, over, I think, I think it would be like over $25 million a year. I don't know how viable it is to win a championship with somebody like that, taking up such a huge chunk of salary. If your other player is not, LeBron or Kevin Durant or something, I don't think a team can afford to have somebody that is on the level of Julius Randle taking up such a huge chunk of cap space. But other than that, I think that, you know, what you're proposing with, you know, running it back with, with a similar young core is probably, you know, like similar to what I said, uh, the best thing that the Knicks can do. And it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, the Knicks have other pieces like Obi Toppin and, um, you know, Cam Reddish because those along with RJ Barrett, um, you know, because before I just mentioned Barrett, but when you put those three guys, they have all been coming into the league relatively recently. And over time, I think they'll grow to make a, um, a nice solid core for the Knicks to build around. Yeah. Um, I liked what Chris said about Randall not having – well, I mean, you use a lot of great analogies, but just because he is supposed to be our number one option now doesn't mean he's supposed to be the number one option on a championship team and that he can still be a serviceable thing. I, I think that was a great perspective on it. Um, 
So no need to really get rid of him. And even so, I know, Will, you said he takes up a large chunk of salary. But when you look at it in the bigger picture, it's not that much. I think Chris touched on this as well. I mean, you even look at a team like the Lakers. I know they have a lot of really small contracts and three really big ones. But there's there's some room in between. And you can still work with the Randall 25, 26 a year, however much that is. Yep. Um, yeah. So I the think – yeah, we're seeing in the NFL right now. Like, how real yeah. is the cap? How how uh, real? How important is this? Adam? The Buffalo Bills just like re-signed a million people and had a super high-paid team, and then got Von Miller on a six-year, one hundred twenty million dollars contract. I know we're switching leagues here, but like, yeah, this, 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 you can work around the cap when you need to. Uh, one more talk about analogy before we move on. Like, I just think as someone who watches, for better or for worse, every single second of New York Knicks basketball. Like watching that team, uh, it's like like picture, man, picture a truck, a Ford F one fifty, right? Do a little you know free advertising here. The Tom Thibodeau, you know what you're getting with him. It's a tough brand team, so we'll call it a Ford F one fifty, right? And imagine the tires, Mitchell Robinson, you know, very inconsistent. He's really good some games. He's not so good half the games. Like imagine if every time you went out in your car. You either had bulletproof all-terrain tires or flat tires, and you didn't know which one it was going to be ever. You never knew. Uh, your engine, half the time, was a Lamborghini Aventador the engine just fully transplanted into the F-150. And the other half the time, Randall's having a bad night, and you've got the 97 Corolla engine missing like several parts. <laughs> then Barrett, your wing defender, Again, every night you've got metal carbon fiber bulletproof doors on your F-150. But it's like you can keep going with the different players, right? You can keep making analogies. Maybe IQ is your radio, keeps things exciting and electric. But whatever it is, like it's really hard to try to drive that car and do a good job, right? You don't know if you're going to have flat tires or not. You don't know if you're going to be supported or not. You don't know if your engine is firing on all cylinders or if it's literally breaking down every time it tries to move the car. Like, I think there's a really big argument for both keeping Thibodeau and like keeping this core together. Not everyone, but like Barrett, Randall, Reddish, Quickly, Toppin, Rose. These are good basketball players. These guys have redeeming qualities. Like just because guys like Alec Burks, who are decent two to threes are not good at being a starting one. I don't think that means that the book is out on someone like quickly, for example, or McBride. Like I know a lot of people like to say, Oh, well, McBride, he's not going to be very good. Like he can't even get minutes over Alec Burks at point guard. That's Tom Thibodeau being Tom Thibodeau. Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of realize the biases at a point too. So I I liked that discussion. I think like, yeah, that was good. probably take the average of our thoughts. <laughs> There's something really good in there. I think always like bouncing different perspectives off each other is how to reach the closest thing to correct. So, yeah, I, I think there's definitely some truth to Randall having some unignorable issues. I just think they will be ignorable at a certain point when enough of the t- enough else of the team is firing at the level it should be. Um well, of course, no, no, not expecting a playoff push for them, but a, a fun offseason it probably will be. 
for the Knicks. Uh, let's head across town, though. Some different expectations, not too different in the standings, but definitely very different in talent level and, and in expectations. I mean, the Brooklyn Nets are, are getting set to try and make some noise in the playoffs. Uh, representing New Jersey, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, 60 points the other day. Kyrie Irving of the Nets, 60 points the other day. Kyrie, of course, in the most Kyrie fashion possible, did it in a manner that like literally broke several advanced statistics. Um, I, I believe it's true shooting percentage that he broke. Over 100, right? Yeah. So he had a, he had a true shooting percentage of over 100% um, because of the – degree of difficulty of his shots and how efficient he was on those three-point shots uh he yeah he he broke the stat that's supposed to adjust for shots being hard and stuff they were like he actually did better than possible <laughs> um that's that's crazy to to think that someone whose season has been mired with so many off-court issues you know regardless of how necessary those issues are that they're existent and he hasn't played in half the games, you know, like Kevin Durant tweeted the other day after a game, like after the 60 point game, he goes 11, just put on another lesson tonight, like attention. And, you know, people are like, why, why is he teaching from zoom half the time? Why does he need a substitute half the time, man? Like what's going on? Um, It's why Harden left Harden wanted out from the nets because he did not want to be teammates with an all-star caliber player. Who's only playing in half the games. It's like, you know, imagine if this, group of three recorded pick and pod every week and bridge every week was just like up until the last minute, we didn't know if he was showing up or not. It's just like, you got a game plan for both. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's nuts. You realistically, you can't carry on like that. Right. So um, Harden had enough. He, he called it quits with them. Um, and then that, that Kyrie was why. So, you know, definitely a fascinating situation, but when you get it straight to the court, you know, Ben Simmons hasn't played a game for that team yet. Uh, their issue, <laughs> defense, um, it's a little bit of rebounding, a little, a little bit of closing out and transition, all things that Ben Simmons would really aid with. And their strengths, things like isolation scoring from Irving and Durant, well, that's Simmons' exact weakness. So these guys can kind of cover for each other. Brooklyn may have the recipe to finally, for the first time in their entire tenure with Durant and Irving, actually have a quote-unquote scary product on the floor. I know we were advertised some very scary hours, and then we got six scary hours on the dot. Six exactly is how many hours Durant, Irving, and Harden shared the court for. It was a bit underwhelming. Uh, This trio, even though Ben Simmons in a vacuum is not as good at basketball as James Harden, the fit might be there. I want to know what you guys think about how this team shapes up as a contender, especially just in the landscape of the league this year. Will, we'll go to you first. I think Ben Simmons, like you said, he definitely complements Kyrie and KD better than Harden does, even though Harden's a better player, just because it's almost like to draw an analogy to like a magnet. I would say that Kyrie and KD – or it would be like the the red part and, you know, Ben Simmons would be like the blue, you know, they, they fit well together. But at the same time, we have to take into account the fact that it's mid-March playoffs are starting in about, I would say a month or so. Right. Um, we have not seen Ben Simmons get on the court. And at the same time, the nets, it's not like they're, you know, at the top of the Eastern conference. So while it's exciting to think about what could come, 
out of, you know, Ben Simmons um, making his debut for the Nets. I don't think we should get too ahead of ourselves. And we still have to consider the fact that Kyrie's not going to, unless something changes that, you know, we are not expecting, Kyrie's not going to be playing in every game. And I think that with Kyrie, the Nets are guaranteed to head to the Eastern Conference Finals and not the NBA Finals. But I think when you account for the fact that Kyrie, you know, we saw what he did to, um, to I believe it was the Timberwolves, right? And, you know, just a few days ago, dropping, you know, that many points. Um, for him to him to be absent, even if it's half the games or whatever amount of games it is, Dude, that's a they, big difference. They get Toronto in the first round. Yeah, that's what I was going <laughs> to say. He can't play in either arena. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, so it could be even over half the games, you know, based on what you mentioned. So for him to be missing, that's such a huge piece of their team that's missing. And, you know, even if Ben Simmons works, the fact that Kyrie's missing for half or more than half the games, that could also pose a problem for them down the line. So, again, while this is, you know, almost, you know, with initially with Kyrie Harden, KD, that was like a dream scenario for the Nets when they were, you know, a trio. And now Kyrie Simmons and KD, they're still a formidable trio, but I don't think there is anything to get too excited about until we actually see the results come out. Yeah, well said. I think yeah. the Nets have definitely had a lot of drama this season. They were literally this close last year to probably winning a title. It like literally Kevin Durant's foot on the line. I think they would have probably gone at least to the finals. You know, who knows how they would have done against the Suns, but I think they would have handled the Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals. But we're going to talk about this season. Um, so in terms of Kyrie, I think the majority of the Nets remaining games are at home. And then if they do draw a matchup with the Raptors in the first round, those mandates in Canada would prohibit him from playing in any game. And that there was a quote from Harden himself. That was one of the main reasons why he left. He was terrified of playing the Raptors, which is a little funny because it's the Raptors, but still, I mean, it's, you know, give, you know, take it how you want. Um, but we have seen when he's on the floor, he's a very effective player. I mean, 60 points. And I think of what might've been 19 shots. I mean, Chris already said he broke a lot of, uh, advanced metrics and you know the guys that are behind those metrics are really smart people who who try to make sense of numbers that may may be taken out of context and put them into a context that makes more sense and Kyrie still broke those um, which is really impressive 60 points on very few shots there but then you see the Nets they went back home they played against the Mavericks last night and they played a great game but they ended up losing at the very end and you one only has to think oh well you know if you add a Kyrie Irving that's probably the difference there but you could have a lot of those games in the playoffs where Durant will carry you throughout most of the game. He'll give you 30, 40 points. But by the end of the game, you could use a second star, a guy like Kyrie, you can play ISO ball. But unfortunately, if you don't have that, KD is going to be shouldering the load, drawing double teams. If Ben Simmons isn't playing, well, there's that's not there. You have maybe Andre Drummond playing center. Like, all right, like he's not, I'm not scared of him. You do have some shooters in Patty Mills and Seth Curry. Those are two uh, really great assets to have on your team. But at the end of the day, I think the Nets need that second guy in Kyrie. And that's out of our hands. It's out of their hands. We don't know. I mean, it's in one of their hands. You know, if Kyrie decides to do what he does, that could change the course of things, but it won't happen. So as it stands right now, uh, it's hard to make any predictions about the Nets because we don't know if they'll have Kyrie for all the games. 
I know it's tough. It's tough. I just think, um, well, uh, an angle that I think is interesting here, rather uh, uh, that I'll push a bit. I'm not, not saying this is some blessing. I just think that Kyrie being out for the games that he was kind of like really forced KD into more of a playmaking role. Right. And now like all of a lot, that guy is freakishly good at that stuff. Um, so if you have Kyrie out for some games, KD can still be your, your jumbo initiator. If you have Simmons, he can be your actual initiator, KD and his normal role. Man, I think that <clears throat> although I'm not the biggest Kevin Durant fan, um, he, Irving, Carmelo Anthony, the three guys that got me into the NBA, and then he and Kyrie now, the two players I probably openly root against the most, uh, I, I still think that with how good KD is, I think right now he's, geez, Giannis, Jokic, Embiid, at worst, KD's fifth in the league right now. If you have Steph at four, if you have KD at four, that's KD fine. Four. LeBron, you know, but but probably sure. probably top five. You've got to have KD. And the NBA has so much talent nowadays that like guys like Carl Anthony Towns can drop sixty points against good defensive teams like San Antonio, um, and not even be a top ten player in the league. So I I think that being top five is not something to scoff at. I think if you have one of those guys. That's really what it is about in the playoffs is how many guys do you got? Um, last year, Chris Middleton showed us in game six, I am a guy. I am that dude. And they made it to the finals. Then, you know, they go down to nothing. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, dapping everyone up courtside after the game, having a grand old time, celebrating, being up to nothing. And, well, Drew, Chris, Giannis, they won four straight and, and shut them up quick, right? So it's about how many dudes you've got that want to get it done. And I, like, I'm going to go full real hooper, ball don't stop agenda here and say that the Nets are legit. Uh, I, I do buy them this year to make noise in the East. I won't say I'm locking them in to make the Eastern Conference Finals or whatever. They might draw a matchup like Philly in the second round because seating is so weird this year. Um but geez, like talk about a team like the Celtics. You could sell me on the Celtics upsetting the Nets. The Nets are the kind of team I could see ups- upsetting a team like Chicago easily. Um, if Simmons and it really clicks with, with the other two and, and they play enough together, uh, I can see like the Nets beating the Bulls. So we'll see. Uh, but this is a perfect transition. Because for our final segment here, I want to have a little bit of fun. I want to mix things up. Uh, we're going to go full opinion, but we're going to let you build your own narrative, right? So uh, we'll let Bridge go first, then Will, then I'll go. We're all going to go around, start off with the first round. In the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs, the seating right now, you have Miami in one and you have Brooklyn in eight. You have Milwaukee and Toronto in two and seven. You have the Sixers and Cavs in three and six, and you've got the Celtics and Bulls in four and five. Now, I'm not saying you've got to pick one of those pairs, but two teams that could realistically match up against each other in the first round. You know, the Nets could be a six to eight seed for real. Like that might be where they finish, somewhere in the six to eight range. Um, 
they could get the Bucks in the first round of the playoffs. You know what? What is your guys' dream first round matchup? Maybe you have two players. You never know who's better. You want them to match up against each other and settle the score once and for all. Bridge, we'll hear from you first. What do you want to see in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs? Well, I'm looking at the standings right now, and I'll I'll make it easy for us. I'll pick a matchup that we'd see if the season ended today, and I'm going to have to go with the four or five. Boston versus uh, Chicago matchup. I think that would be a lot of fun. I think both of those teams. Yeah. I mean, like that could easily go seven games. I think you love DeMar DeRozan, what he's done in Chicago this season. And honestly, how they've sort of built that team from the ground up, they'll probably have Lonzo and all of those pieces back. I know he's been hurt and hopefully the Celtics will get Jalen Brown back for the playoffs. I think that that's um, because I know he's been hurt a little bit. I haven't been following them that much. so I could be wrong. Um, I think that'd be a great series. And then also we could move the nets from the eight to the seven, if they can catch Toronto, who's three and a half ahead of them and nets bucks in the first round. I know that was a crazy second round matchup last year, a little bit of a rematch. I think tensions would be high. And I think that, um, ratings would be through the roof. Love it. Will your dream first round matchup. Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with the, Bucks and the Nets, although, you know, I don't know if you might have been thinking about this as well, but it's a little bit predictable. They're only one seat away from facing each other. And the reason I think it's pretty self-explanatory, though, you know, the way things went down last year in the playoffs, just to get that one more time to see Giannis and Katie um, face off. I think it would have been a lot more interesting if Harden was still on the Nets because we know Harden and Giannis had their issues and, you know, because, um, you know, Harden wasn't there last year. He got hurt in like, I think the first game. Yeah. So, but either way, I think it's going to be a fantastic matchup to see them go up against each other again. You know, the Nets lost, but this time they had Ben Simmons added to their squad. We got Seth Curry and, um, you know, Andre Drummond, you know, they got, got a few pieces from that Philly trade. So yeah, that's what I would like to see for the first round. I feel you. I thought of, Brooklyn Milwaukee but I I want I want that to happen with some higher stakes maybe second round but I I don't know first round like I I love in the first round I love watching those teams that you know are not built to make it uh but are built to look fun (laughs) and I love watching them go out and and give a real contender a tough time I myself am going to make it easy, pick an existing matchup. But this, uh, if, even if it wasn't an existing matchup, this was going to be my first, you know, this, these guys could have been the one and the six seed. And I, this would have been my pick. It's Philly and it's Cleveland. These two in the regular season just matched up against each other while the Sixers had Harden. And that game was really, really entertaining. Now, Joel Embiid, one of the most dominant players in the NBA, potentially ever one of the most unstoppable, right? Just the combination of skill and speed with his size is absurd. And when you have Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, well, you're one of the few teams with a shot at maybe throwing a dent in that in that game plan, right? So Basically, I'm a big Darius Garland guy. Uh, I, I, I have loved him for years, and it's awesome to see him. You know, Also, just like we were talking about with R.J. Barrett, really blossom into a star this year. He started to bloom a bit before Barrett. He, he really started this season in general. R.J., it took until New Year's 
Uh, Garland all year this year has looked like a stud. Him, Okoro, I really like. Uh, but but Mobley and Allen against Embiid is, is going to be really fun if we get this matchup, uh, and, and that's why I'm pushing for it. I think Harden versus Garland, or rather <sighs> Maxi and Harden versus Garland and Okoro, like those, like the Okoro to stop Harden or try to stop him. Uh, you have Levert to create offense on Cleveland. I just think this could be a lot of fun. I obviously would pick Philadelphia to win it. Um, but Cleveland, man, it's a fun team. I, I don't think they make it far in, in the playoffs. I, if they do, you know, it will be a la Hawks last year where like it's fun and you enjoy every game while it's happening. But you know that like if this team makes it to the next round, like they've got a lower and lower shot. And I think the Cavs still have to be really happy about, you know, what Mobley has done for their trajectory this season. So regardless, even if they lose, uh, they still got to be really happy with this year. And I think it would be a really fun playoff series between Philly and Cleveland. Uh, I want to go next up Eastern conference finals to wrap the show up. Everyone's dream ECF matchup. You can go literally, any two teams will you want to pick Cleveland so bad um we'll go with you first let's hear it I mean I would but if the Cavs were to make it the distance like that and somehow pull off you know some kind of Cinderella story I don't think there's any kind of super enticing like I really want to see these two teams match up um I feel like everyone's going to say Brooklyn Philly, which I mean, it is probably the, the matchup we're all itching to see, you know, Harden, you know, Simmons going against their former teams. You throw him beat in there, probably one of the best players this season so far front runner for uh, the MVP. And then you still have Katie and uh, Kyrie and half the games or whatever he decides to play. Um, so I think that for me, Here's what I'll tell you. Realistically, I guess for a matchup, I would love to see that in the Eastern Conference Finals. If we were to be a little more unrealistic and I really wanted to pick my Cavs to go against another team, I would just pick Boston just because the two teams just have, you know, quite a history against each other. And uh, just to see the the two teams that have that much history and just don't like each other. I guess, I guess that would have to be my other one. I feel you, Bridge. Your ECF dream matchup. I like I like the Cleveland potential matchups. Those should be real interesting. I don't know. I'm looking at the standings here, and I know I said Brooklyn, Milwaukee for the first round, and obviously I think if that happens to be a conference finals, that would also be pretty enticing. But I'll switch it up a little bit. I'll go. Man, this is hard because, like, I want to get the heat in here somehow, even though I think that they might not be. Oh, man. We're talking dream matchups. We're talking the biggest of the biggest stars in the entire world against each other. And you want to watch Bam Adebayo in the NBA Finals. Give me a break. Tyler Hero. I mean, they got some. They got some. Tyler Hero. uh, I don't have time. They're the ones. We don't have time for this argument. He's very good. Let's go Bucks 76ers here. Thank for the you. reason that you got two really big star-studded lineups. You got, I know you've said this already, but I'm going to repeat it. We have Harden and Embiid, one of the best one-two duos, if they can figure it out, which they look like they're in the process of doing. 
And you got the defending champs in the Milwaukee Bucks. I think that'd be a really fun ECF. I you took the words out of my mouth. Um, man, those are my two teams in the East that I like am actually scared of to win the whole Larry O'Brien. So, like, regardless of whether they go up against Phoenix or Golden State, um, those are my two. Like, it's it's Phoenix and Golden State in the West, and it's Philly and Milwaukee, and then a little bit of Brooklyn in the East for me. That's that's the way I see it. Um, Philly and Milwaukee, I think, would be a fantastic matchup. Drew versus Harden, uh, Maxi, you know, being there for Philly and, and Middleton being there for Milwaukee. And then you've got Giannis versus Embiid as your headlining matchup. That's just fantastic. That's fantastic basketball. I mean, Harden versus Drew is a, is a cool matchup as a secondary in itself to have the, the, the main card be Giannis versus Embiid is just fantastic. Um, I think that, basketball that would get played in that series um i would as i do on pick and pot i would lovingly describe it as real hoops you know like all the defensive ways of the game um i know harden is a run up the score kind of guy but Embiid and Giannis, man if those are your two anchors you're playing that kind of punch for punch blow for blow kind of back and forth game you're in the playoffs the floor is shrinking the game is slowing down crunch time you know like I think that that would just be incredible basketball. It would be an amazing product to see Philly and Milwaukee go at it. Uh, I think, I will say, I think I'd give the defending champs the edge in the series, but uh, that for me would be my dream matchup. And with that, it's where we're going to end off this week's edition of Pick and Pod. I want to thank Bridge Gotham. I want to thank Will Jing for joining me on this week's episode for them i'm chris percy and signing off wfuv sports is proud to present pick and pod bobby chiaffardini is our sports director stay tuned we'll see you next week